to the bitcoin podcast hey. episode so i was just saying hey too i was saying hey with you like saying oh. hey to the people well if you haven't figured it out Corey is not here it yeah. is d and i yeah this is how our midweeks are going now we're falling to a rhythm where Corey is tom braiding up <laughs> in dc at some sort of thing for crypto for either the show or or the either the network or his actual job. And so we actually just do a midweek with just the two of us. And then you get a refresher with all three of us uh on Sundays. So Yeah. Yeah. He's at uh he's at consensus and uh it's it's a zoo right there. A zoo York. You get you New get York. there. I, I think Corey's trying to squeeze the legitimacy fruit, the last drop of it. But I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, the general, like I'm reading a tweet by Louis Cuende right now from, uh, was it Aragon? He said that his first and last time at consensus was in 2016 and he lost all faith in the space after seeing all the enterprise players and bankers recentralize. That event represents a lot of the stuff that our movement is fighting against. Oof. Mm. And I don't know, man. I think he's right. Like we just had EdCon, and and the Denver. Denver, yeah, ETH Denver, and then you got this, and it's like I thought the builders were supposed to build, and they're just they're always taking the stage. Like when are you guys building? It seems like you're at a new place every week. Stay That's home. A good question. Stay home. Build something. Yeah, I mean, we we thought about doing the year of tours, but then it gets so hectic with making the show. And doing very, really anything, you, it takes a lot of energy to go to a conference. Well, it's just like, oh, hey, there's Paul Puy again. Hey, saw you last week. Now I'm seeing you again. And Yeah, it, but I think the uh, best companies have structure so that they have people that go to the tours because it is so essential, right? Like if we had a bigger team, then we would have somebody and we just expense it out. And that would be the person that goes to represent the network at all the things and that's just an expense that we take to the head you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah you're just you have a product and you want to get in front of as many people as possible i get that but then you have like uh the people who are like on hashing it out like why are you there why are you always there like why is vlad at every conference stay home and build and yeah i don't know and that, that's what I'm, I'm thinking like all the i don't it doesn't matter if it's eat denver or it's consensus. There's going to be a company there that's trying to get it out in front of you. Yeah, and there's even, too many of them. Yeah, even at DevCon, there were like what eight eight people booths those few days. 
that's it. Just eight booths, and the rest were just people like, hey, I saw you on Twitter, and now I see you in front of my face. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of that. Well, I mean, I for one think that if we don't put a hard stop to this blockchain is good and Bitcoin is bad narrative soon, it's only going to lead to bad things because um, I think the entrenched want the idea of Bitcoin not being a big deal. The longer Bitcoin is not a big deal, the more time they have to catch up to all that bootstrap and all that organic growth. You know what I mean? That Bitcoin had. Mm-hmm. And as as long as you can keep pitching, like Bitcoin's not a big deal, blockchain's a big deal, then we start to live in this world where everybody's got a blockchain for all their things, yet it's not decentralized. Um, maybe it is more secure, yes. Maybe it does cut costs for that company, yes. But that's all that it does. It's like a very, very fancy Google Sheet. And if you ask me, that doesn't really align with a lot of the um a lot of the main advantages of having decentralized systems. So, I mean, maybe we're on the edge of uh Ethereum being a truly decentralized um virtual machine like it planned to be. And maybe we're not. But consensus those kinds of conferences don't really appeal to me. I don't know. Me either. And, and it's almost like counterintuitive, but like the, the companies that you don't hear about, are they're still growing. They're still making moves. Like, for example, remember our old sponsor, um, Athena Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're not just ATMs anymore. They have, they're kind of doing what buy or sell is, but on a bigger scale. They're now, they're, they're still that, but they're also Athena Trade. And what they did is they, created this community with a major Bitcoin hedge fund. And then they got prop traders and digital currency brokers. And they host ICO roadshows, meetups and happy hours. And they've come this long way from just being in this ATM company. And you know, I've never seen them, um, you know, outside Chicago. I've never really seen them, you know, on the circuit or on stages, but they want to see cryptocurrency exceed expectations. They believe the future is crypto. And now, now it's not just ATMs. Now it's Athena Trade. It's all these different services. And I think that's what it's really about. You know, you, you st- like we started this podcast, and now we're a network. We evolve and we grow, and we're not trying to get on a stage. We're not trying to shill our product. Fuck and I think that. That's- Let's get on stage, baby. Let's show everyone exactly what we're fucking working with. Let's do it, man. Yeah, fuck that. We're getting on stage at your local uh, high school theaters, baby. We're touring the country, high school theaters. <laughs> let's let's think about this. What if if I can get press passes to DevCon four, that will give us the budget to maybe get a booth. And then what if DJ NES? What if Reese? What if Colin? Like everybody came out, even Evan, and we have like a network booth. That'd be pretty dope. If we say this though, we're publicly obligated to make it real. So if like we get the press pass and we get that and then we now have the budget to to wiggle you know what i'm saying like we should make it a deal like you talking I mean, about it i'm not i'm not paying for dj nes to come to Prague. i'm just saying <laughs> if he can somehow get there you know then you know we'll, we'll treat him good okay 
<laughs> I'm not flying like eight people to Europe, but that'd be pretty dope. You know, I know Reese is going to be there. I know Evan's going to be there. Yeah, Reese and Evan will be, they'll be there. We'll be you there. Know, Colin seems like he's motivated. So I don't know. You might see like a. Of course, Colin's going to be there. Colin loves this shit. Well, then maybe we might pay for DJ NES. Who knows? What about broke? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I almost forgot about him. That's how big our team is. Man, I feel like we should just make DevCon 4 the annual TBP network thing that we talked about. Anyways, we, we're talking about too many things that we should be talking about off the show, on the show. What I want to discuss is a metric that I've been looking at that I feel like no one's looking at. I feel like uh, Beautiful Mind. You see my chalk written on my window? No, I'm kidding. Um, it's not that big of a deal. But the all the subreddits for all the cryptocurrencies that matter, so like r slash cryptocurrency, r slash BTC, r slash Bitcoin, r slash Ethereum, r slash Ethrader, r slash BTC Trader, the big subreddits of this community are have grown by what's is approaching like 50,000 people in the past three weeks. Like if you add them all up. And I'm thinking... What's going on? Is this bots? Like, could this be? Could this be just massive? A massive bot attack? Do you think? Um, I think it's pro. Go ahead. No, do you have a theory? I just think it's incredibly easy to make a bot. So it could just be bots that are going on there, so people can get data. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I don't feel like. Most of those subreddits are shit shows at this point. There's re- it's really hard to get good information. You just kind of get headline news that you can get ev- everywhere else kind of regurgitated. But I don't know. If it is real people, then we, what we're looking at again is like the beginning of a new adoption phase, right? Yeah, I always, I always thought that adoption correlated with the price. But we have consensus. We have all these new people entering, and we're still in this bearish market. I always thought like extra interest would create buyers, which would create demand, which would increase the price. But mm, you're, but you think about it like there's there's another metric I'd like to is know if there's any backing to at all, and that is the average length of time it takes someone to first hear about crypto and then to actually buy it and hold it. Yeah, Remember, well, I, I was chatting you away, and you bought it reluctantly, and then you didn't start really investing and holding until last year. And Bitcoin so, is Bitcoin is one of those. I, I swear to God, it's one of those things where you know how they say if it's too good to be true, it's probably not. And you sat me down uh, in front of your computer in 2013, and you're like, "Bitcoin's 15 cents, and that shit's going to be like 10 grand someday," and it happened. So how many instances can you say where something like that truly happens in life? I might have missed the boat, you know, I, but well, I didn't miss the boat. I missed the early boat. I missed, like, yeah. the little little tugboat. But, I mean, and now I'm finding that there's two camps. There's people that are in the space that don't have crypto, like, um, like Q, Reese, and Colin. And if, if, I'm, if I can reach out and touch those three people, there's got to be thousands more. And then there's the people that bought when Bitcoin was like 19,000 and they're fair weather, but they're still holding. They're just not talking about it. Yeah. And then there's people like us that are evangelizing, go to conferences. They're yeah. a part of crypto Twitter. I wish it was 15 cents. It was like 
it was in the hundreds when I talked to you about it. It was like seven hundred in two thousand thirteen. Was it? It was that high? Uh huh. And then it was a thousand later in the year. And then it dropped all the way down to two hundred dollars in twenty fourteen. And then twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen it slowly called back up clawed back up. That's what I'm saying. So like or sorry, twenty sixteen to twenty four yeah, twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. But go ahead. And I'm talking I'm talking to the bag holders right now. It's like, hey, uh basic attention token is forty cents. Are we gonna have a conversation five years from now when we're like, holy shit, remember when it was just forty cents? I I firmly believe it's going to go to like three digit numbers, especially if it becomes as utilitarian as I think it will. Um, And that keeps being as developer friendly. Like if that brave one web browsers change, think about how many different web browsers used in your life. Yes. Google Chrome is great, but guess what's going to happen to Google Chrome, which happens to all web browsers. They get lazy. They get stagnant. They don't want to grow. They don't want to iterate. That's going to happen to Google Chrome. It happened to Firefox, but Firefox is actually better than Google Chrome now. I'm just so comfortable with Google Chrome, I use it. But Firefox yeah. is way better than Google Chrome. Firefox got their world just eaten alive by Google Chrome. Now Firefox, Firefox is better, but as Google Chrome gets more and more stagnant, more and more complacent, doing less things about security with their web extensions, guess what? People are going to start to naturally go to a different web browser, and I think that web browser is going to be brave. And I think people are going to love having the ability to just stick a whole bunch of basic attention token in a freaking wallet and just surf the internet ad-free. Like, I think people are going to love that. But that's just my Negro. I don't, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to derail this, but is someone directing you in your room? Is it like, Demetric, camera two, pan in close? No, I, I got this freaking camera, the same camera you bought... And it like it follows my face all around. Oh, where I go. Okay, I, I thought you were being directed. No, I can't. T- oh, you thought I was doing that with my fingers on the low? I should have yeah. just said yes. Damn. It. I thought this was like the the Truman <laughs> Show, and this is okay. All right, back to what we were talking about. I should have so, just said yes. I was like, yes, I'm yeah. controlling this with my fingers. You can't see it. I'm I'm a wizard. I'm a wizard. <laughs> um, oh, so we're like the Ethereum buy for fifteen cents make all this money you think that there's still some some ian Bellina picks there's still a couple oh very much there. so yeah very much so i mean just this um you know i don't like to talk about price but although i do like to talk about price it's like my guilty pleasure um this this whole market cap thing that we, one we've invented a metric which is virtually useless for currency which is market cap but while we're using that metric to get people to understand the value, right? Because value is what you make of it. And if that's how we're valuing these things by market cap, you look at the market cap of this industry and it is tiny. Like $400 billion seems like a lot, but the U.S. government can shit that out in one check. Like really. They can say like, oh, um, Boeing, you, you want to make us a whole bunch of F-22s or whatever the shit plane? Cool. Here's 400 billy and 200 billy just in case. Boom. Like we do that on a daily basis. So this market is, is extremely tiny. And what I feel is happening right now is the powers to be see that. They see the astronomical growth coming around the corner. And they're trying to position their chess pieces so that they can get a taste of it and lower their risk at the same time. Because when you're in a position of power, you get to you have time and you can afford yourself 
the ability to inoculate yourself from risk and make sure you get the rewards. Inoculate. That's a good word. It is. Like I that word. that one just now. <laughs> what? What happens when Bitcoin's not the number one cryptocurrency anymore? Are we all going to freak out because it's not familiar anymore? Um, no. I think things will look drastically different then. Um, yeah. I mean, we're already, we touched on that in a recent interview we had with Dr. Guzarir that I can't wait you guys get a taste of. Um, Love that guy. And it's it's that like, the further we get from the Bitcoin inception, the more the Bitcoin holders and the people that use Bitcoin are going to be solidified and something new will just be built around it. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if there's a fair analogy, but the one that I've been cooking up in my, in my D brain is it's like when you break a bone and it grows back stronger, but it's a little bit morphed because the body is actually compensating because you're so stupid. You know, like you're so stupid, you broke your arm, so it grows back with like more calcium and more bone around it, but it's kind of slightly deformed. And the body's like, we need to make this bone that much stronger because this person's a doofus. Well, now the cryptocurrency industry is doing is going to do that again. The next adoption wave is going to be that much better because the core of people that are holding and building and and acting in the space is that much better to overcompensate for the last time. So. Now we're starting to see stuff like Kim Bozak calling people pussies on the conference floor at consensus. Yeah, that was, um, I never really heard of clout up until then, but I do like that guy who was like, hey, can you keep it down? Hey, hey can you stop? The guy he was talking about? Yeah, like he, he was like, uh, I got to walk away. No, I got to say something. Up, up, up. No, nope, I should walk away. Up, up. He didn't know just what fun. to do. He didn't know what to do. And it was just funny. It was just like. And then you could see the security guard in the background, and he was like, I need to go do something about this. Yeah. And he was like, pussy, fuck you, scammer. Yeah. And, like, nobody cared. And that, yeah. Did you notice that, too? No one cared. No one cared at all. <laughs> and then he said, he said, you big little midget. That's something that Ken said. That's what he said. Yeah. No offense to uh, midgets. No, sorry. No offense to little people. If, you, if you're able to splice that audio in here, um, it's pretty funny, <laughs> but um, it needed to happen, man. There's too many scammers in this industry. It sucks. And then you know, Ken was saying that I guess if you're a journalist there, you unless you were part of the coin. De- you remember how like Crypto Clay was like interviewing people at the Dallas conference? Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to do that at Consensus. You had to be a CoinDesk member. So they weren't promoting community. They weren't promoting organic growth. It was it was just I don't know. Like so, Omar. Who does was he? What does he do? Crypto news, crypto, cryptos, cryptos news, cryptos news. The basically, they I think they like shut him out or saying that he was stealing press time away from the CoinDesk team and they're gonna do legal action. I don't. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. This this I mean, is a community. That's but here's the thing. There's there's a double edged sword to community, right? Is that if we say adoption is the only thing that matters, and we want this big giant everyone's using crypto community, then you do get that. You get suits. Like, what's his name is a suit? Barry Silbert? He's a suit as they come. I bet you homeboy sleeps in pajamas that resemble a suit. Like, you know, those <laughs> silk pajamas that look almost look like a tuxedo? 
Yeah. He's a suit. And those are what that's what suits do. And the thing about suits is they always try and outposition you, and that's what CoinDesk has done. Like that's a conference put on by CoinDesk, which is a bunch of suits. Like, what do you expect from them? They're gonna say like, Meh, "This is our conference. You cannot record here. We will, we will exercise the fullest extent of our legal team to <laughs> assure that you are not allowed to create content that is rightfully ours." But most people that, if you're normal, you're just like, "Yeah, man, it's a conference. Come and do your thing." Like. Record what you want to do. Get the word out. Just say that it's this conference, please. Yeah, and here's a PSA, too. Ken just walked in. Do not buy $3,000 tickets to any conference because we experienced this at DevCon. There is an overweight woman by the escalator that says, where's your badge? That's the extent of security. That's you all can... crypto security. <laughs> Ken walked in and met Vinny Lingam. He met Charlie Lee. He met everyone he wanted to meet. Uh, he just walked in. So stop yeah. buying tickets to these conferences. Yeah. Do are we doing are we messing up Ken's strategy here? Now there's gonna be a horde of people like this just in Wayne, who everybody loves in the Slack, just walked into the Dallas Super Conference. Yeah. I was like, Hey man, just come here and he was like, But I don't have a ticket. And I was like, I'm going to open the door and you're yeah. gonna walk in the door. And then surprise, you're in the conference. <laughs> Remember the organ the organizers uh they came to our desk, remember and they're like, There's a lot of people in here. Like we don't have room. I guess we underestimated and I was like, No, you didn't. Just a lot of people just walked in through the doors because you don't have security. Yeah. Some people were actually probably just staying at this hotel and were like, What's the hoopla? And just walked downstairs and went to the conference. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Um so this is our show about conferences. Now, um no I'm kidding, is Conferences are great. Just pick the ones you want to go to. Spend your money wisely. Um, We're, yeah. I'm I'm going to come to Prague, not like I came to Mexico, which means I'm going to try and come by myself because I want to get drunk and I want to wild out. Nice. So now that, I, that is out there, if you guys want to go in Prague, yeah, it's I, I'm going to learn hard and I'm going to play hard. There you go. That's what it's about. That's what I did in Mexico. Learned yep. hard, and I was a I was a lot of drinking at night. <laughs> a lot of drinking. I'm not I'm not primarily a drinker, but I want to inhale the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's a nice way to put it. It's kind of gross a little bit when you think about it too much. But um, there's one last thing I want to talk about before we go into our interview uh, with one Gilbert Darrell, the CEO of Horizon Communications. Um, and that is, um, where did my brain go? Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, says today, internet needs a native currency, and I hope it is Bitcoin. I took out words in the middle. He was like, I'm not sure if it's going to be Bitcoin or not, but I hope it is. Why? Because the man supports Bitcoin. And it feels good to have celebrity support of Bitcoin. And when I say celebrity, I don't mean... Kim big ass Kardashian or fucking her dumbass mother, the dude mother. I mean, am I allowed to say that? No, you're not. You can't say dude mom. Nah. Oh well. You could say, you could say the guy formerly known as a dude. No, the gal formerly known as a dude. Oh, the, yeah. Um, I think you can say that. 
what's her name? What's Caitlyn? Her? Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. I'm not talking about that kind of celebrity status. Um, he could put his about. he could put his money where his mouth is though, and he could implement a tipping system into Twitter that doesn't take fiat, only takes cryptocurrency. He could so if do you, that. If you like a tweet, boom, you can tip that tweet. How active do you really think he is in the day-to-day operations of Twitter? Well, no, but if he's an advocate for cryptocurrency, imagine what that would do for adoption. Oh, imagine. God, yeah. Imagine if, like, Kim Kardashian was like, hey, guys, tip me. Maybe he is doing it. Or, Maybe Facebook's doing it, too. Yeah, but Facebook, they have, they, you can send money through Facebook, but it's, like, it's money. Like, what if he was like, I want to see cryptocurrency take off. You can only tip crypto on, on these tweets. It would blow up overnight. Yeah, it would blow up overnight. It would be so, a sens- It would be a sensational, monumental event if I could t- send tip people on Twitter easily. Not like going putting my money in a wallet on some other website like what used to exist with BitTips or whatever that thing was, but actually like loading my money into a wallet on Twitter. Yeah, tipping. T- tipping people. He yeah. could do that. He I could do so it really I- easily. Like. Maybe we should contact him and show him how to do it so he can pick up some stacks or something. <laughs> hey, we'd like to consult with you, Mr. Dorsey. We know what we're doing. I just set up a lightning node. The camera um, zoomed in on your face, so I know you're serious. Yeah, that's crazy, right? I'm so quick with the fingers on this. Um, it's going to be even weirder when like the video comes out on our Sunday shows because it happened on our last show. I've just been editing. You should put a, a wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man behind you, and your computer will, the webcam will lose its mind trying to track it tracks what it's supposed to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is I know it's tracking my face and sending it straight to Uncle Sam. So, yep. um, so I can never rob a bank. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, man, that's it's good that you mentioned that. Maybe we should start like a tweet storm if we can. Like hashtag tip on Twitter, and it gets blown up to a point where the Twitter the Twitter gods see it, and they're like, "It seems to me that people would like to tip within our platform using Bitcoin and Ether and of other forms of cryptocurrency. We shall let it be." Like I yeah. feel like that's how the Twitter gods talk. I just I want people to start putting their money where their mouth is instead of all these stupid headlines about yeah oh hey the eleventh most powerful person on the internet likes crypto well then do something about it you know what I mean that's like, a strong point man you're absolutely right who else is doing that the Reddit guy uh yeah you know Ryan X Charles was trying it but like what about the Reddit guy yeah you know? the Reddit guy he went on freaking Jimmy Kimmel the other night or or oh you're right he went yeah, on Jimmy Kimmel and was like yeah I love Bitcoin I think it's gonna be a big deal I hope it's gonna be a big deal then you're damn right if you think it's gonna be a big deal integrate it into your super yeah. popular platform and make it a big deal you know what? yeah it's it's like the president of like Ford being like yeah electronic cars are the future and then he doesn't build electronic cars it just well, doesn't make exactly sense to what it they've done. That's exactly. What, that's pretty much exactly what they've done. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like he's in a he's in a in a position to have absolute change happen, and I I don't know what he's doing. So yeah, I just wanted to be moved past a day where I can say like I'm in 
I'm in crypto. My business is in Bitcoin. My business is in crypto. And people not think like I immediately uh, deal drugs or something like that. If Bitcoin just gets integrated into Twitter, it's a wrap. It's it, that's it. That's mass adoption right there. Next thing you know, you start seeing celebrities getting all kinds of tips for no reason. And they're like, I don't know what to do with this extra money. What the hell? Like you, you start to see all sorts of new vernacular pop up. Maybe we should start something. Why don't we, we have enough followers on Twitter to start a thing, right? And that algorithms work. Just like a few thousand people start doing something. And then yeah. it shoots into everybody's feed. So why I don't we start like hashtag tips on Twitter and everyone adds Jack Dorsey. And we do this for like a week until it get, becomes a big deal. And then the next thing you know, we're Twitter superstars. That's how it works, right? It's working like that in my head. And then we're rich. We figured it out. We figured it out. No, I don't think we're rich. I think I think everyone else has a more rich, enriching experience on Twitter because they can now twip. Tip. I think I think Roger Ver said the most baller thing I've ever heard. He goes, "I had a Lambo before I got into Bitcoin." Yeah, it's kind of what I want to be. I almost kind of wanted to punch him a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I kind of. <laughs> I did. Like, there's a there's a whole parallel universe that exists with my jealousy, the jealousy avatar of D just punching people, like yeah, just every like sometimes I go like I'm driving around the city here in San Antonio and like you see somebody driving the newest Audi imaginable that's not even like out yet and I just want to punch them but I don't. The real me looks at him and gives him like a head nod of appreciation. Like, I see you balling, like live out here in these streets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to live and you're living. You're showing people that you're living. But then there's a parallel universe, an iteration of D, where I'm just jumping through my window and punching that guy in the face. <laughs> well, I mean, you can show people how you're living, but we're just we're responsible adults. That's true. Um, well, I'm good, man. Someone's got a tattoo of my uh, podcast on their arm. I'm I'm good, man. That's all I need. Well, if you guys are listening to this, before we go to the interview, uh, I want you guys to maybe hashtag tips on Twitter and then at Jack Dorsey. And let's just see if it happens. Like, I mean, I know you're probably driving right now, but when you get to your office, just hop on Twitter real quick. Hey, at Jack Dorsey. We want hashtag tips on Twitter. There you go. That's the tweet. Hey, at Jack Dorsey, we want hashtag tips on Twitter. We'll start it. Cello start it. And if you're and if you're unemployed, just walk walk over to your computer and do it. Yeah. You don't have to be yeah. driving. You don't have to be. We're driving. not. We're not. We're not insensitive. We thought about you. Mm-hmm. Or if you're at the gym listening to us, slow down that treadmill. Go on your Twitter app. Say, hey, at Jack Dorsey, we want hashtag tips on Twitter. Yeah. If you're you see how dramatic if you're depressed that time. If you're depressed and you can't get out of bed that day, just take your phone, type it on your phone. You got no you got no excuse. It might make you feel better. What would be the weirdest situation somebody could be in while listening to our podcast? Oh, here's one. If you're at a party. And you're awkwardly listening to this podcast and not partaking in the events at the party. Go home, because that's where you really want to be. Hop on your computer. 
and get on Twitter. There you go. Let's start thinking of even weirder, more awkward situations. Do you think anyone's ever listened to us while in the act of coitus? That would be strange. Maybe they like your voice so much. Oh, man. You just made me feel weird. <laughs> Tell you what. If someone sends us a video of you listening to our podcast while your girlfriend is nagging you and you're ignoring her by listening to our podcast, we'll tip you. There you go. There's a situation we could get behind. Uh, what else? Oh, for the dads and the mothers in the audience, if your kids are um, watching Zaboomafu on Amazon Prime or whatever they watch and... <laughs> You don't want to watch that shit, so you're listening to us. Um, send us a picture of that without your kids' faces in it, of course, and then and then put hashtag uh, tips on Twitter, and then we'll send you a tip. Hashtag Zaboomafu. Hashtag Zaboomafu. That sounds like a kids' show, right? <laughs> I feel like that's a kids' show. I don't know if it is or not. I don't. I I watch it. You do. Or what if Zabumafu was like a, a Zimbabwe Justice League member? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Corey, this is what happened when you're not in the episode. Yeah, man. Sorry, Corey. Uh, we'll reel it in next week. Uh, so our guest today is Gilbert Daryl. Um, no. Yes. Yeah. It's Gilbert Daryl from was, Horizon Communications. I thought it was Daryl Gilbert, but you're right. It's Gilbert Daryl. It's Gilbert Daryl from Horizon Communications. Yeah. Um, so here's the deal with Horizon Communications. Um, they're trying to essentially um, spread high-speed internet, high-speed wireless internet, to places that aren't as keen on having high-speed wireless internet. So Japan's pretty much the, the wireless, the high-speed wireless internet capital of the world. Or is it Japan or Korea? I think it's Korea, actually. I think it's South Korea. South Korea, I think, is the high-speed internet capital of the world, I want to say. Or it's a close race between them and Japan. And uh, he basically wants that kind of technology to spread. Um, and the reason why I personally like Horizon Communications, uh, they've been on the announcements. They now they're going to be on the flagship. Hopefully soon their um, lead blockchain developer will be on hashing it out. Um, but uh, it's a, it, it makes no qualms about being a security token. Um, and they could say that because they're based in Bermuda. They're not based here in the states. So if you are a accredited investor. Um, listening to our show, it's worthwhile to check them out. Um, I don't think you can buy it without being an accredited investor in the States. Uh, I'm pretty sure you have to be an accredited investor. But if you guys have been listening to our show this long, uh, some of you are, most likely. Tip so, us if you are. Yeah. Shell, you're quick with the tip ask. You're quick with it. If you're an accredited investor and you're listening for free, <laughs> what's up? I mean, we're here for the people. It doesn't matter how much money you have or not. Adoption here is what we do. Okay. Um, sure. Adopt that tip button, though. That's what we're saying. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Corey. We're fucking this up. Uh, anyways. Uh, Horizon Communications, they make no qualms about being a security token. Um, they're trying to win that, win that race, obviously, because... Um, 
security tokens are gonna gonna take off sooner or later. So, um, yeah. Uh, here's the CEO. Oh. What's up? Well, um, crypto pub. Oh yeah, go to cryptopub.com. Get your crypto news. It's a crypto hub. All right, that's it. And then, All right. No. Do you want to hear? Should I oh. do more? I don't Should know. I this is so. this is the last one. Yeah. So, um, cryptopub.com. It's an e-newsletter slash e-magazine, um, which means electronic. Um, it costs ninety nine dollars a year, but the first year is free. Um, it's basically a magazine. Um, all the things that you find in magazines, you'll find. On CryptoPub, um, op-ed articles, some how-to articles. Uh, there are a few articles that dive down into the technicals of these different things. Um, coin highlights, things of that nature. Um, CryptoPub.com, go check it out. Um, if you want some news and you want it in a hub, you need to go down to CryptoPub.com. Yeah. Good jingle. Yeah, I like it. I don't think it was very good at all. But here's 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 Gear Badero, everyone, from Horizon Communications. Uh here it is. I feel really good that you joined me on that. That's the first time in three years. Yeah. Hey everybody. It's D doing a solo dolo interview with the CEO. Horizon Communications. Now, this is Gilbert Darrow. The first time you heard Gilbert Darrow was VR Announcements series. And I do believe you're the very first to come from the announcements to the flagship to talk progress and, and generally just, just hang out with us. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So how you been, first and foremost? Cool, man. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, I didn't realize I was breaking new ground in another territory, but I'm, I'm happy to be, a, I guess, a guinea pig. You are. You're, you're breaking ground. Um, we've, also, we've always extended the offer to come back from announcements to the Bitcoin podcast, um, but nobody ever does. And you're the first. So huh. congratulations. We will send you. you a trophy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, we don't have trophies. I'll get a T-shirt. Yeah, we can get you a T-shirt. Yeah. As soon as we get them. They're nice, too. Just... Just so comfortable. But um, I guess we can reacquaint anyone. Uh, you know, if anybody didn't catch that announcement, let's get you reacquainted with our audience. So I guess just brief background, and then we'll sure. just roll right into it. Uh, yeah, so my name's Gilbert Darrell. Thanks, Steve, for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I'm launching a telecommunications company out of Bermuda as our headquarters, but where our ambitions are, uh, at first, the Caribbean, and what we want to push from the Caribbean to Central and South America. And assuming that our business plan goes anywhere near as planned, we hope to be worldwide, if that isn't considered worldwide, uh, you know, five years or so down the road from today. If I could be trying to be realistic in our business plans, everyone says that, hey, we're going to launch tomorrow, and, and in, in a year, we're going to be in every corner of the globe. And uh, I've been around a little bit too long to, to make those kind of uh, lofty goals lofty promises, I guess. Uh, but I've been in, uh, in IT for uh, 18 years. I'm 34. Uh, I've been in IT since before high school. Uh, at the same time, I, I joined the fire service as a firefighter, became an EMT, and then became a paramedic. Uh, so I kind of have 
had two jobs in my life, I suppose, uh, you know, IT cryptocurrency as of recent, and then uh, fire in EMS. Um, my cryptocurrency background is, you know, I don't think atypical for many people. I kind of came around in the 2012-2013 era when I think Bitcoin was still, you know, actually at the time it was really the only cryptocurrency anyone took of any real seriousness. Uh, I was a, a miner back then. I I love just the nerdy, geeky part of it because that's kind of my personality to a, a large extent. And I enjoyed just the technical aspects of it. And that was really my, my dive into crypto was on the tech side, on the blockchain side, on building the, the mining equipment, on the new protocols that were coming out, on uh, developing mining pools, on even to an extent, it was always a conversation back then. It's funny, if I think back, I think forward now, six years, uh, it's almost the same conversation, you know, how can we get cryptocurrency adoption throughout the world? Um, but like, you know, even back then, Bitcoin was, was really big. And I remember uh, mining, uh, back then it was called Dark Coin. That was one of my favorite coins back in the day, uh, called Dash nowadays. And then, uh, you know, a few others that you might heard of, Vertcoin. I love that coin. That was a big one back then. And Doge. For any of the Doge miners out there, I was one of those guys for a really long time. Uh, so that was my foray into cryptocurrency. And then uh, a few years ago, I started working on telecommunications. Uh, I had moved to Bermuda. My grandfather uh, has Alzheimer's, so I moved here to help take care of him. And when I landed, I uh, quickly realized how horrible the internet here in Bermuda is. But as I started thinking with my, my world hat on, I realized, look, it's not great in Bermuda, but it's not great anywhere else either. You know, where I grew up in upstate New York, uh, internet there was was pretty atrocious. So I said, hey, I think there's a business here. Uh, and the wireless technology that we've all taken for granted for our cell phones has come along so far that it could easily be used for home and business internet. So long story short, and kind of find myself in the middle of of a fundraise for a blockchain blockchain based uh, cryptocurrency play in the telecommunication space. I like that your um, your your route to solving the problem or discovering that there was a problem is just like this internet is so bad. I have to do something about it. I have to. Yeah, well, I have to you know, either complain about it or fix it. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's where you and me differ, but you probably differ in the better part. Is I would just be like, oh man, this is just this is just a suckiness that I have to deal with. So. <laughs> it was, um, you know, moving from New York, I was living in the city. So I had, I had worked in New York City a lot and I lived upstate in a, you know, a smaller city and uh, Internet there was good. I mean, it was it was way better than when I landed in Bermuda. And, you know, Bermuda is is like many countries in the Caribbean. It's it's financially very wealthy. Uh, it has a relatively small population, but it's very dense. You know, every, there's a house on every square inch you can possibly put a house on. And it just didn't make any sense. Like, how could I come from uh, a city with all the trials and tribulations of running Internet cable and coax and copper everywhere and in certain places, fiber, come to a place that economically is is extremely well off and the Internet be worse? I felt like it was upside down, to be honest. Mm. That's got to be, it's got to be interesting reality. So 
this is a little bit off topic, but I know that you'd be the perfect person to ask. So that picture of the Binance CEO in Bermuda with yep. like the suit top and the like beach shorts, is that really yeah. a thing? <laughs> so yeah, so um you know, it threw it threw me for a loop at myself. Uh you know, I've been coming to Bermuda my whole life. My my family's from here. But I grew up in the business world in New York, right, where I, I had an IT consulting company. And I was relatively small, but I was in the business community there to an extent as an IT guy, right, as an IT owner of a business. And uh, coming to Bermuda, like the dress code here is a, is a little bit more casual, right? So you'd be on Wall Street, and if you didn't rock into work with a three-piece suit on, you know, people kind of gave you an evil eye. And in Bermuda, like the business casual shorts and coming to work every day in a polo, I mean, it can get really hot here. It's like, you know, it's an island, you know, we're in the middle of the Atlantic and humidity here is is atrocious. So that was just common dress code, right? So, you know, very typical business attire in Bermuda is uh, you would wear a suit jacket, a tie, a dress shirt. Uh, and you'd wear Bermuda shorts. That's what they're called. Uh, and actually, there's a few companies here who actually make them now. Uh, they actually make Bermuda shorts in pastel colors, right? So when the when the Binance CEO was was uh, Mr. Z, you call him, right? CZ. Mm -hmm. He was here. Uh, he jumped right into the culture, got himself a pair of Bermuda shorts. I thought it was great. Man, that sounds like that's where I need to be. That sounds exactly where I need to be. I need to go. Right. I need to go to Bermuda. Anyways, so why the initial rabbit hole? Not rabbit hole. So we all fall into the rabbit hole with crypto. For me, I really align with the ideological stuff. Um, you know, slightly libertarian viewpoints. Separate, you know, money and state. Um. Those kind of what could be considered a little bit radical viewpoints politically. That that stuff really struck me, and why I fully, you know, grabbed into this stuff. But was it you? Was it just the the technical like tinkering around with miners and being able to, you know, mine this digital currency? What what really sucked you in? Um, you know, I I think I agree a lot with the philosophical side of financial freedom and financial inclusion. Uh, you know, I, I am a lot of respects also in that libertarian um, freedom camp, right? Uh, I don't, I don't love that countries try to control their population through financial means. Right. And, uh, and honestly, if I were to dive really deep into the philosophical side of it, I would say that there's no difference between financial freedom and freedom of speech, which for people who are from, you know, the Western world, uh, Europe and America, those are, those are very poignant topics, right? If you told somebody that they couldn't speak about the topic that they wanted to, uh, that would be just as abhorrent in my mind as saying, well, you know, you can spend your dollar in this business because if you, you know, going back 50, 60 years to racial issues, which I guess in some respects we're still living through now, you could spend your dollar with the white business, but you can't spend your dollar with the black business, right? Mm -hmm. Freedom of speech to me is equal to freedom of money. So 
that was one aspect for me. Uh, absolutely. I totally am on board with that. I'll, the other side of it was just the technology of it. Like, uh, you know, I'm an IT guy. I'm a nerd. You know, I, I love I love new technology. I I love the the speed of cryptocurrency, how you could send one token, you know, it, you know, back then sending one Bitcoin was not a big deal, but today sending one Bitcoin is a big deal. You could send these transactions really fast, mm-hmm. especially in comparison to, to fiat currency and through a bank transfer. And being a business, you dealt with this all the time. Like someone would pay you, either you got paid quickly using a credit card and that they took 5% or it took 72 hours. Uh, so it was really slow through a bank transfer and you had to wait. Those are really the two options you had, or you, or you had a check, right? Which was almost as bad as a bank transfer. So that was the other side of it is the technology and the privacy and the, and the ability to be fully encrypted. And, you know, I had a conversation with someone the other day who is, I think we all in the crypto community have these conversations explain to me blockchain, explain to me cryptocurrency. Why does it have to be encrypted? Why is, What's the deal with the privacy side of it? And I said, well, the same reason you can do banking online and your all your money doesn't get hacked and stolen by somebody living in a you know in a basement somewhere who just hacked into your computer is the same reason why cryptocurrency exists. Like you have to have that level of security to be able to do transfers online for your email to go through. And if we didn't have these these locks on these transactions, none of this would be possible. So I mean, really, it was. It was a philosophical reason why I loved blockchain and cryptocurrency, and and it was a technological reason, too. I could see even five, six years ago where as we gained adoption uh, through the community and then start pushing it through business, that this was the future of money. didn't make any sense to do a bank transfer anymore. It really doesn't. I mean, that to me, I mean, we live in a time where you, if I could talk to someone in China, like, Within seconds, why can't I send them money too? Especially if it's just cash. Like if I want right. to send them some cash, I should be able to do the same. And that's what Bitcoin used to be like. It things have changed. It's the transaction fees have gone up, which has given birth to you know all these different currencies and people really exploring what blockchains are. But I don't think I think the world needs an anonymous digital currency. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a heavy, a heavy naysayer on Bitcoin. And, and that's because I guess, I guess I've been around a while long enough to see, to see the evolution. And if the Bitcoin developers, and I, I can't say I'm a developer, uh, nor do I understand programming well enough to feel like I can speak about this super intelligently, but the same features that you have coming out through, uh, you know, with Litecoin or with sharding now coming out with Ethereum or fast transaction times or the, pr- the privacy of Zcash. Um, I saw Bitcoin Dark making some moves the other day. Uh, and Monero, for my relatively layman's understanding of, of these various protocols, there's very little reason other than inertia why... Bitcoin could not adopt some of these features probably tomorrow morning. But as I explained it to a friend of mine, some of it is just you have so many people and so many interested parties in the Bitcoin camp that making 
relatively big changes to a protocol means you could cause a very big division inside of that community of people and you could cause another fork right uh another you could inadvertently cause another if you want to get heavy into into cryptocurrency you know philosophy you could cause another cryptocurrency fork like we saw with bitcoin and bitcoin cash and i think a reason why my perception you're not seeing some of these features being adopted by bitcoin core is they're afraid of that right they're afraid of causing another split in the community that's just my perception without getting on the phone with one of the developers and just asking hey how come you haven't implemented some of the features inside of zcash or monero Mm -hmm. i think you're right there i think that's kind of the two different the two largest camps you see in crypto as a whole are the the original like the bitcoiners who think there's no group there's no central anything there's no central leadership no central planning none of that really and then in the ethereum camp it's it's kind of the opposite they actually kind of embrace that you know camps of leaderships and of course vitalik is like a deity within that ethereum community and i think that that's kind of why bitcoin had it's like its greatest strength and weakness at the same time you know is that it 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 doesn't have the freedom to evolve as quickly because nobody is pushing for that evolution um but at the same time you can depend on it to not change fast (laughs) so I don't know. It's like this paradox with Bitcoin, but well, I um I find that uh, you know, I tr- I try to say that I'm cryptocurrency agnostic, mm-hmm. right? I-, I will use whatever makes the most sense, and you know, I'm a little annoyed with the speed of Bitcoin. I'll be f- I'll be the first one to admit that, but I don't feel like it's um, pushing itself out of the marketplace, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the price reflects that, number one. The adoption reflects it, number two. Number three, when we talk cryptocurrency, it is impossible not to talk about Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of good inertia behind them, but I do see a point where some of these features that perhaps the smart play is potentially what is happening let other currencies test out these various features and test out if they're they're worthwhile to adopt that in my relatively limited programming brain bitcoin could start pulling some of these features in as mm-hmm. core features into the protocol but if I you let so. someone else do the testing for you and hammer out all the all the details then mm-hmm. you know i think you take a lot of the risk off the table I think that, one, I think that we are actually kind of being gifted with living in what's going to be politics of the future because we're figuring out closely that there's no way to not involve the political aspect of of humanity, period, because like what you just said is that these other coins are going to test out these features. But the thing about those tests is that they have literal value in it. So if Bitcoin were to just consume that feature then those people now get pissed off you know what i mean they're like wow that's this is my coin this is my feature and bitcoin just cloned it 
and now my value is eroding because people are using the more popular token. But well, they have I, very little room to get too angry because probably the coin that they're using right now at some point found its genesis inside of Bitcoin. In some literal respects, uh, that coin, such as Litecoin, right? Litecoin, mm -hmm. it's people forget, but Litecoin is the original fork of Bitcoin. Uh, so, but at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, just like in the business world where you have the Goliath of a corporation all of a sudden get upended by a startup, right? And the startup can move so much quicker and have so much faster route to decision-making than the 800 pound gorilla who sure it's big and strong and tough, but can barely get out of its own way. Right. You have to be, you have to worry about that. You know, MySpace mm -hmm. completely lost all market share to Facebook. Facebook came out of nowhere in, you know, MySpace world. Mm -hmm. uh, so those, that is the danger of being Bitcoin is if you don't realize that the ground is shifting underneath you and change, which they potentially are getting so big and have so many people rocked into that potentially they might not be able to move that quickly. And you could lose your market share to Ethereum or Litecoin or, or EOS or, you know, uh, you know, I was reading today some stuff about Tron as a potential, you know, more of in the, the application space, but as a, these are real contenders to the throne, I suppose. You're absolutely right. I don't know about Tron. I have to say, I have to rule that one in. I'm a no on our show. I'm a I'm an avid Tron, uh, a hater. I guess you right. could call. It. I was like that's my. <laughs> I'll own it. I don't know what Tron does. But. Well, I, I mean that's that's another question too, right? Is uh, is you've seen some of these projects just take up so much market share and so much capitalization, and you you turn a flashlight on, you go. So what exactly do you do again? <laughs> you yeah. Know, what is your purpose in life? Yeah. Especially, I just don't like when white papers have just unnecessary naming conventions like this is the primordial phase and this is the, um, what are they called, like the the phasing phase. It's just irrational nomenclature that just, it just feels a little bit, I don't know. Well, I'm definitely going to take a dive into the white paper so I can find those uh, various <laughs> Parts of the oh, company. go go look at that Tron white paper if you if you're looking for. <laughs> I don't think I've looked at it. It's it's unique. I'll say that much. Yeah, fair enough. So, I guess diving deeper into the philosophy of this whole space is that this is one thing I've been tackling with, and I have many medium posts I've started to write and then stopped because I was like, man, I need a freaking. I'm not a journalist. I always get to that point <laughs> where I'm like, I can't travel there and do research on the ground. But a lot of this space, and a lot of you'll find a lot of the Bitcoin Cash camp still believes that you know banking the unbanked and providing financial services to the unbanked and all these things. But I always just in my head, I come to a point where if someone's unbanked and they've been living that way forever, do they even care to be banked? Like, who's the one? At what point? Do you just make transactions cheap and free because you can and not necessarily worry about banking the unbanked? Just make the utility mm -hmm. there. You know, I don't know. That's just a I guess that's a question I ask myself sometimes is is it better 
for instance, you are going in with a very specific utility for your token and why you want to use it. Is it better to lead with that than to lead with great philosophical reasons for doing things? No, you know, if I'm developing a wallet or if I'm developing a currency and my my market pitch is we're going to drop into sub-Saharan Africa and I am going to be the new cryptocurrency, the new forget crypto. I'm going to be the new currency of Africa. You have to deal with your point that many of those people have been living just fine without any type of currency that we would recognize. They trade, uh, you know, a cow for, for wheat, right? They, they have a much more basic model of economy than we are used to dealing with in a first world country. Right. But Mm -hmm. If you think that that is just today and in the future, 5, 10, 50 years, more and more of those people are going to be wanting, they want to go see a movie, they want to go shop in a grocery store. If you think those things are going to happen, which I do find a little bit of, of realization in, then yes, they, you do have a business model, therefore, to bring those services in. Um, you know, I'm in a, I'm in kind of a, of a different boat, so to speak. We're bringing internet, better internet service, better cell phone service to a population that has it already, but it's really subpar. We are the startup to the 800 pound gorilla who can roll out really disruptive technology that you would be pretty crazy to try to roll out if you're the 800 pound gorilla. Why is that? Well, I don't need hundreds of technicians, thousands of technicians in the case of the bigger companies in the United States or Canada or even in Central and South America. And I don't need to roll out hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of miles of cable. Now, those companies already own that infrastructure. What do they do? Do they rip it up and throw it away? Do they stop maintaining it? Do they are they even allowed to stop maintaining it? Like there are plenty of cases in the United States where the the Ma Bells, you know, the former AT&T's you know, uh, Bell Atlantics of the world in the, in the United States, were required to maintain really old legacy hardware and cabling and networking equipment because it's been there for 50 years, right? So they have to maintain it. They're, they're burdened by those costs. They have a huge workforce that what are they going to do? Lay off all these people? So they are stuck in that rut. And unfortunately for them, there's a company like us coming along. Unfortunately for the horse and buggy manufacturer back in the day and the guy who used to shoe horses all day long, somebody invented a car. And his name was Henry Ford. Like, you can't just walk up to the – and maybe this is what should have happened – but you can't walk up to the to the guy who runs a blacksmith shop and say, hey, man, uh, you're going to be out of business in five years. So you might as well just sell and move now. Right. Mm-hmm. By the time he becomes obsolete, he he it's too late to realize it. And yeah. that is the advantage I find for us inside of telecommunications, but also when we bring in all the benefits that we're just starting to realize inside of blockchain that gives us another leg up 
on our competition. If we integrate these services and these technologies early and we stay agnostic, you know, we, we don't we don't pick a side off the bat. We, we let things hammer out and see where the best technology comes out of blockchain and what makes sense for us. Then we can innovate on two fronts. We can innovate on the delivery of services side because we're using incredible high-speed wireless technology that is easy to maintain, doesn't require a bazillion people, and can roll out quickly, number one. Number two, we can innovate on the data side, on the finance side, on the security side with blockchain. So it would be a smart move for the 800-pound gorilla, the horse and buggy, to integrate those features. But to do so means you start have to you have to start looking at your own book of business and say, well, geez, do I roll out this new technology and what do I do with the old stuff? Do I just mm -hmm. turn it off? Do I throw it away? Do am I allowed to do that? Will the governments that I'm operating in allow me to just turn off the DSL network? Like I bet you I'd have to look it up. I bet you there is hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people on DSL. I know for I know for a fact, and for people who are who are IT nerds or have been in telecom, I know for a fact there are dozens and dozens of banking customers who still run ISDN lines today. And for anyone who doesn't know, an ISDN line is one of the original ways to get an internet connection. You know, back Jeez. even before T1 lines, right? <laughs> so what do you do? You just shut off the phone network. The, the copper network is complete garbage, right? I mean. If anybody's been in telecom, maintaining copper wiring is horrible. It's horrible. Uh, it just right? corrodes it, and it corrodes. It's 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 heavy. It in a windstorm, it gets blown all over the roadway. It gets cut. You know, you have somebody trenching for a water line or for a sewer line or for they're running a natural gas line in your area. They cut the line. Mm. Like that is that is one of the strengths of wireless. And to be honest with you, two, three, four years ago. Wireless technology isn't where it is today. And to be perfectly honest, two, three, four years ago, would we really be looking heavily at some of the things blockchain can do nowadays? Was there really a decent privacy option coming down the roadway? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Were payments really wanted them to be? No. Do people even know about cryptocurrency? I mean, we're talking about a world where less than 1%, 1% of 1% knows about cryptocurrency in any real fashion. So... There takes time for these technologies to evolve, but if you get there early enough, you can make really groundbreaking changes and get ahead of the competition. Yep, you're right there. This, we're still technologically young, though. Is that the the full utility of this stuff is is not even near uh, its potential? Uh, we're right. getting there. There's there's glimmers, and, you know, and that's why it's important to get early. And it's important not to be foolhardy, right? You got to find that balancing act of mm -hmm. where can you find the, the true utilities, the true uses for for blockchain inside your company and not go off the rails, right? And for us, for example, going off the rails would be where to say, hey, uh, everybody who joins our network, we're giving you a full anonymous ID and I never know who you are and um, that is just not realistic, right? Yeah. It doesn't even work like that. Even though the technology can probably do that for you, I still got to know where you are in case you have a service problem because someone's got to come to your house and fix it, right? So mm -hmm. 
there are things that cryptocurrency could do even right now that just isn't realistic for your business. But if those of us in the crypto community want adoption, as we always say, to move forward, I think telecommunications is one of those key metrics. This is one place where you can gain adoption, you can push adoption, and you can really leverage some of these advances. And just in payments alone, forget all the other data security usages or other technology you can layer in. Telecommunications is one of the main places you can see big adoption in crypto and see the big benefits. So I elaborate on that a little bit. You, you said blockchain has some use cases that are useful and it has ones that work well for Horizon Communications. So which ones are working well for you guys or that you're really looking at implementing? Well, I think payments is is of course the easiest place to start, right? We do call it cryptocurrency for a reason. Mm -hmm. So taking payments for us is an easy solution. Uh, we can accept payments into our network from crypto. It's faster for our company. It's cheaper for our company. We want to encourage that. Uh, we're, our token, the Horizon token, will be used as payment, but we can do that conversion for the customer right? Especially if they don't know anything about crypto. If they come to us as an internet customer or a cell phone customer and they have a credit card, you know, we'll do the conversion for them either through us or through a partner and we'll exchange that for the token. The token gets used on our network. That allows us to do some pretty cool stuff. We can store block, uh, transactions. Uh, we can tie that to their service. We can use that with our partner services. We have a few partners on board already. There's a lot of cool things we can do with the technology that we know of today. The question is what is going to come down the road and I don't really know, right? Who knows what's what's really coming down the road in terms of, of, of really cool options. You know, I was uh, talking with Gladius. Gladius uh, is building a decentralized CDN and DDoS network, you know, content delivery network. Hey, I want to watch a video on YouTube. It's overloaded. Uh, and then that's an option that they're building using other computers to be that decentralized network. So having those abilities and integrations into our customer portal, into our company is, is just huge. So there's a lot of areas that we're seeing some cool stuff come out of, and we want to be there, be ready to pull those integrations into the company where they make sense outside of just the token economics where, you know, as a, as someone who comes into the company, they can get, our token, they can be a part of the company itself and they could appreciate it as a company grows, which I think is an easy use case for the token buyer. For the customer, it's it's these integrations with, uh, you know, Bubbletone is building a decentralized, they're a partner of ours, Bubbletone is building a decentralized network for allowing mobile operators to buy and sell data on their network. And that allows a much faster and cleaner integration. Truth be told, as a cell phone provider, which we aim to be, I would have to sit down with every single company in every country we expect our customers to travel to and hammer out an agreement with them, which can take months, if not years, to say, okay, you know, you're going to charge X amount of money on your network. I'm going to charge X amount of money on my network. We negotiate on that. You know, we go back and forth, and then eventually you sign an agreement. Right? It's really what it comes down to. Hmm. But if you can build a, a marketplace in the middle – where we can all look at it, all see the prices, all put bids and trades into, and then accept the contract. I could do that before. Before these companies in the blockchain made these solutions. It was 
much harder than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, um, I guess, appropriate that you, you mentioned marketplaces and things like that exist and how much they make it a better user experience uh, for, the, for, for the user. Like here in Texas, a marketplace like you just mentioned exists for, for electricity. Like in certain states, you're just pigeonholed into whatever your energy provider that you have to take. But in Texas, where I live, there's just a marketplace where you could change your provider like within a day. It's always the prices are always changing. And they even put calculators on there for you like, oh, you're going to get the cheaper prices with this company by living in this area. And you can if they start doing you dirty, like you start looking at your bill and you're like, hey, what's this five dollar fee? And they're like, oh, well, that's a. That's a gum chewing fee. Our CEO likes to chew lots of gum. And we're like, okay, cool. You just switch your <laughs> utility, right, your energy provider, like right there that afternoon. So well, that's so you have the competition aspect inside of telecom, which anybody who lives in, I would imagine most parts of the world, I don't think they wake up in the morning and go, oh man, there's so many options for telecommunications where I live. Right? There mm-hmm. isn't. There really isn't. Uh, so that's one area where I think we just can drive innovation and drive change. You know, if we spin up in the Caribbean and then we start moving through the Americas, there's going to be some severe reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Either they evolve or we start stealing tons of their market share because you're right. They've gotten really complacent. They didn't have a company who walked in with really advanced technology that could do long range, 20 mile distance wireless connectivity for 300 megabits per second and use that same technology to run a cell phone off of, right? That they haven't had that kind of competition. And then you start saying, well, we can accept online payments through cryptocurrency is really fast. We have these other integrations through our customer portal that allow customers options to services they never had before. You know, you start driving those additional advantages that we get with blockchain. I think it makes us extremely competitive in these markets where there wasn't any competition. And why would there be? If you only have one, potentially two options, then they can start charging you for chewing gum because what are you going to do? You can't leave. Mm -hmm. And the same reason why we find, I guess, philosophically, we find all these advantages in cryptocurrency and competition of multiple coins for who's the best and perhaps you just buy the top five or top 10, right? Is the same reason why having competition in these markets is so important, you know, in my space in telecommunications, because without it, there will be no innovation. They will be the horse and buggy to the end of time. Absolutely. I hate to be the guy. I I would have hated to be the guy that owns a bike shop when people are just getting hip to cars. And you're just like, man, there are so many few people coming in here every week. What is going on? But Well, that's why it's important for that guy. So the bike shop owner needed to see that a year or two before. Because mm-hmm. they, if you think about it, they potentially had the best opportunity from that. People already know they exist for transportation. They're already going there to buy a bike, right? So if you kept your ear to the ground, you, you know, I guess in modern day parlance, you were reading magazines, you were listening to podcasts, you were, you know, reading blogs on, on medium and you were going to conferences, 
you could have seen that car coming down the roadway a little bit. And you could have said, you know what? I'm making enough profit. Let me test this out. Right? It's when you stop trying to innovate that you're going to become the MySpace of your industry. It's going to happen. If you don't stay ahead of it. And I think that's where, you know, some companies have done it very well. I, I kind of look at GE and I look at IBM as companies that they have survived a hundred years, right? How do they do it? Well, they, they kind of diversify and they kind of dabble in every market, right? And if, if aerospace isn't doing that great for 10 years, I'm General Electric, I'm just going to make washers, right? Mm -hmm. they, they not only innovate inside their particular space, they innovate company-wide to stay relevant. You have to do that. If you, that's the great part about competition. And the bad part about competition is if you don't stay competitive, you will not exist. Yeah, absolutely right there. Well, I don't know. Is there anything we did that, that you think we should have went into that we didn't? Um, you recently yeah, I mean, had we that talk. interview. What's up? Uh, that interview, which on Bermuda, the paper. The Bermuda Royal. Oh, the Royal Gazette. The yeah, Royal yeah. Gazette. So it's hilarious because, uh, you know, living in Bermuda, there's a lot of British influence here. It, you know, it is it is a overseas territory, as it's called. Um, it's security and it's 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 law and governance is based on the UK system, right? So uh, the local newspaper here is called the Royal Gazette because it's royal, right? It's it was uh, allowed or decreed by the king or queen so many years ago. Uh, oh, God, I don't even know how old the world is. It's probably, it's probably 300, 400 years old. I'd love to look that up. No, I have to look it up now. Um, so, yeah, I, I had an uh, interview uh, through a reporter on the Royal Gazette here locally in Bermuda asking how the token sale was going. I said, we just launched. Uh, we literally just got through our first week of soft launch uh, a week ago. Uh, so we're, we're recording this on the 7th of May. Uh, I said, that's been going really well. It took us a while to get through some technical issues. If anybody's built a relatively complex website or just even started a company, I don't think it's uh, it's too shocking to hear that you always have some roadblocks and some bumps along the way. So we got through those. Website's up, working really well now. We're constantly iterating on it. And uh, I, was I was really surprised, I got to tell you. Uh, and I know you kind of hear this a lot. You know, I was surprised at the support, but... I really felt like we were really going on a limb uh, when I said, look, I want to plug and, and weave blockchain into a telecommunications company. Uh, maybe that's not as far-fetched, and I see all the, all the good press and all the hype around all the car companies looking to integrate blockchain into their vehicles, right? Um, that is kind of where my head was at. I was saying, you know, is this just too far? Right. Is, is integrating blockchain just too foreign right now for people to wrap their minds around it? Because in reality, I think there's some great things to do today, but I have no idea what's coming down the road for blockchain and how that could fit into a telecommunications company. But I think if we get ahead of it now, we'll be ready for it. And I was I got to tell you, you know, it's nervous. Right. It, are we building something that people are really going to want? I, the good news is is that we're also building a really advanced telecommunications company, not just the same old run-of-the-mill telecommunications internet provider. Oh, yeah, they're doing blockchain, right? I think mm -hmm. that 
we have a kind of a double whammy, right? So when I had the interview with the local newspaper, I said, look, internet here is really bad. We can fix that. Internet throughout the Caribbean, the United States and Canada, I'm very familiar with these markets. I know them very, very well. Our team has built these companies there. We know this product would be very competitive. Then we add another lever to the advantage and we bring in blockchain. We bring in these partners who are building these really cool platforms. We tie those right into our portal. We provide an easy customer experience on the token, on our payment platform, on our partners' capabilities. And at the base of all that, we provide really, really, really good internet and really, really, really good cell phone service. If we can do those things, how could we not be successful? But of course, you're nervous. You're starting a new company. It, it, are mm -hmm. people going to look at you like you're crazy? And hopefully not. I like your approach. It's realistic. And, and starting leading with your strong foot, which is providing the really, really good internet to people that haven't had that before. I mean, it's going to be refreshing for them. And then you couple on top of that, you go online to pay your bills. It's like, hey, there's, there's a token here? Get a little discount? What's this about? So it's a good approach. Uh, and you have to make like those things as easy as possible, right? I mean, I, 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 I'm, if you remember the first wallets, they were pretty much a terminal interface. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I remember it was that. as yeah, close to 1980 my... bulletin mm -hmm. boards as possible, right? I mean, it was re. I remember setting up wallets for Vertcoin and for Darkcoin that were. I was literally typing the commands into it into a, a command prompt. Like oh, yeah. it was 1989, and I just got my first computer, right? <laughs> it was really bad. Oh, yeah. So you have to, and, and we're starting to see the technology out now, to integrate blockchain to the point where it's seamless. You have to do that, or you're not going to get that adoption that we all want to see in the crypto space. You can't take a, you know, a, a Luddite who really wants to get involved in cryptocurrency, they kind of see the future, but they're not a programmer. You can't put those people in front of these old interfaces. And that's one big part of us as well, is, is we recognize that early. So when we're building our customer portals early and we're building our tech rollout early, we know we have to make this very simple. I think your approach to things from the right lenses, my friend, I really do. And to answer your question, 1828, that's when the yeah. Royal Gazette was founded. Good for Holy them. Holy cow. That is staying power right there. <laughs> that is, that help, is staying power. It helped when there's, there's really no other paper in the, uh, in the country. Not anymore. <laughs> that does business. help. That does help. Um, well, I think, I think we can wrap it up. Cool, man. If you're cool. Um, as always, you, know, you were the first to, to accept the invitation to come back after you guys have made some headway. Um, you make more headway, maybe when the pre-sale is over. Um, when you start rolling out these wireless services, you can come back on and let us know how things are going. Let's just keep developing the story for our audience to show what it's like. What a new company with has an actual service to offer is also implementing blockchain technology. We can just keep telling the story as it goes. So yeah. Totally. Um, and, and that's what it is. You, you have to see. And I think that's a big thing inside of, of cryptos and, and, and ICOs right now. It's uh, our, our time from from funding to launch 
to actually having customers use our service is lightning fast compared to a lot of companies who are going to be stuck in software development, no fault of their own, but you know, they're ambitious projects that need a long time to develop. They may be six months, two years. Uh, I know uh, there is a smartphone that was being developed They're They're like two years out from their first smartphone being launched uh, on the blockchain. So, I think that's an advantage of our business inside the ICO space. If you're looking at ICOs and saying, where can I invest and where can I see a return in the near future? I don't know if we're going to make a return for them. It's hard. It, you know, it would be impossible for me to say that. And, and it would be unethical for me to say that. But I think having a business that can get up and running and start taking customers in that regard, we are lightning fast compared to a lot of the other companies out there building solutions uh, and an infrastructure solution. I mean, that's, I think, one of our more unique points uh, is we're an infrastructure solution, which there is very few of them out there. That's true about that. Not even a lot of people have the wherewithal to tackle infrastructure. So I guess our uh, trademark question here, in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? Oh, man, I've been preparing for this for so long. I've listened to so many <laughs> podcasts, and I've heard this. Okay. Now, I want to say I can, I can just hammer this out quickly, but a decentralized, trustless, secure transportation of data and information. That's nine words. I, I don't think I need information. I can drop that. Of data. Of data. That's eight words, my friend. Congratulations. You win a congratulations because we don't Thanks. really give awards out or anything. But <laughs> you have that good that you know what I'd like actually is that now the trend is people's definitions are getting shorter. When we first started the show, it was like a dissertation every time. Oh I know, so I, remember, would say, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Ten words or less, and they're like, No. That's not going to no. happen. <laughs> or they does. argue with me. They go, you can't describe blockchain in 10 words. And, and I go, well, why not? It's just – it's trustless. It's distributed. It's, it's fast. It's easy. Like, like that's what blockchain should be, right? It should, should just be data information without yep. the need for middlemen and, and all that extra baggage. I don't know. I, I never saw it as being super – I guess that's why – you know, you asked, why did you get involved in cryptocurrency? I guess that was one of the reasons, right? Because you could, you could do all these cool things between people that we just started realizing you could do with email, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just got our heads around email as a culture. And then someone drops, oh, hey, here's the new version of money. Peace out. See ya. Right? And we're all like, uh, <laughs> I just figured out how to use my iPhone. Can you yeah. slow down? Yeah, you're right about that. Just, we were just spiraling up new things too fast. It was fun. It's like uh, when I first introduced cryptocurrency to my pops, he just was like, what? Why? Why would I? There's no need for that. I could just go to the bank. And I was like, see what you just said right there? <laughs> That's something that like I've done less than ten times in my life, and I'm I'm like in my early thirties. No one just goes to the bank. They don't. That's not a thing. Sorry. Well, it, they're like used to it, right? <laughs> in the beginning, yeah. they're like, "Well, I just go to the bank on every Friday afternoon, and I spend an hour in line, and that's my life, right?" And and that's just how. I mean, listen, my my grandfather used to walk around with a book of 
of transactions and checks, and that was cool. Like that was what you did for business back <laughs> 30, 40 years ago, right? That guy's a businessman. <laughs> and then if you do that nowadays, people will go, "Are you crazy? Like you carry you you physically carry around all your money with you? Like you're you're taking you know let's pretend it was a million dollars. You're gonna physically walk a million dollars to the bank, right? Think about that person. <laughs> but that's how they used to act. That yep. was the world they lived in. And then you, you know, we're just getting our heads around technology and we're just getting people to have cell phones and use the internet. And, you know, now we're talking driverless cars. And then all of a sudden someone goes, Hey, you know, all those things you do with money and checks and credit cards and banks and all that stuff, we don't need it anymore. We're going to, we're going to use cryptocurrency. And they go, what? Mm-hmm. And yep. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I see less armored trucks on the road than I have ever seen nowadays. When I see an armored truck nowadays, it's like, Oh, it's like an endangered species. It's like, Seeing an endangered. Anyways, we got to wrap it That's up. That's a horse and buggy, man. That's oh, a horse and buggy. Key. Armored <laughs> truck is horse and buggy. Oh, yeah. Well, Gilbert, thank you for stopping by again. And as always, open invitation. Um, more milestones come. Come right back. And uh, Thanks, I always enjoy the conversation. And Gilbert's in the Slack, by the way. So if you're listening the to Slack, this. Slack. I just found it. Yep. Uh, this past weekend, right? You slid in there. Yeah. Um, and you can ask him questions about the project, ask him questions about how the ICO is going. He's in there hanging out. Just give him an at. You want to argue uh, about Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash? I'm there. We can have that conversation. Too. Oh, we could do that all day, every day. Another show. Cool, man.